0: The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
1: We'll get you talking.
0: Oh, it's, have we got no? No sign of our guests.
2: Are you the? Give him the right time?
0: Yes, yes, mate. We would. I'm not. Don't. No, well, I'm don't. just checking. How do you? How many ends in unnecessary? Let's try one. There we go. Uh, right. Uh, no. How many two? Let's try how many. Uh, yeah. Ah
2: two otherwise it'd be you necessary all right
0: shut up how many c's in unnecessary one all right how many s's in unnecessary two. then then how come it's got a red line underneath it oh it hasn't now by the way this well this is the thing we're expecting a guest two minutes ago from canada right and um and here's here's the thing he won't call in and i'll tell you why something we we discovered on the show yesterday the show has been hexed a curse has been put on the show because um someone a psychic we think we think a psychic on Twitter offered to cure my depression um, by uh, using a pendulum. London swing like a pendulum, do, and I told her um, to get knotted, um, and then she blocked me. And <coughs> last night's show was a car crash, and we think we think it was a car crash because she has put a hex on the show. So what we what we're really after, and Catherine has failed miserably in this job, miserably. Job. i think it's the hex miserably i asked catherine yesterday all she had to do was find us um, a psychic a white witch a warlock or any one of those bullshiners that pretends to have magic powers uh, to lift the curse from the show right
2: i said they'll be treated respectfully and without mockery who i hope they're got? not listening now who have you got i contacted five of my magical contacts yep. one's watching a play right. one wanted to know more and then disappeared probably literally okay you're the three Nothing. flaked
0: so here's the thing the, the, tonight's show is going to be a car crash as just like last night's show unless we get someone who's got the gift um the the sixth sense the all-seeing eye um, do you remember that band, The All Seeing Eye? No. Okay. To come on the show and lift the curse. We need an exorcism. We need a curse lifted. 0344 499 is I'm not even doing a thing now. This is an actual genuine thing. The show is cursed and we need help. 0344 mm-hmm. 499
2: Could you smudge us? Could you Sorry? give us a cleansing healing chant or something? You're
0: talking about um, Susan and her foo-foo. That needs cleansing oh. and healing. Okay. Now listen, very, very exciting, okay? We, we talk quite a bit... Uh, On this show They seem to keep popping up every now and then The kids in the hall Remember when we had Stephen Page in The brilliant Stephen Page And uh, he had Kevin Fox on the cello And he had Craig, as they say Craig Northey on the guitar And we're all kind of mooning over Stephen Page Because we love the bare naked ladies Who doesn't? People without souls, that's who And then Craig kind of let it slip that he'd work with the kids in the hall. Well, Stephen Page was out the door. Sorry, Mr Page, we don't need you anymore. I want to speak to this guy.
2: And Stephen Page understood. He got it.
0: He got it. He realised that Craig was the biggest star. Love kids in the hall. And um, a brand new book has come out about them. And I must have been so excited by this book. I've ordered it twice from Amazon. It's rocked up It rocked up two days ago, and then it rocked up today. So I've got a spare copy, and I'm more than happy. I can't be bothered to send it back. I'm more than happy to give away the second copy of The Kids in the Hall, One Dumb Guy. It's the authorised biography by Paul Myers. I'm more than happy to give that away. 344 I think via the magic of uh, internet technology, Paul, uh, who wrote this book, should be on the line now. Afternoon, evening, Paul.
3: Hey, how you doing? I'm doing can you hear me? Uh,
0: yeah, we can hear you, man. How are you doing?
3: I'm good. It's about 2.20 in California here. I live in northern California, not to be confused with L.A. I live near uh, Oakland, across from San Francisco.
0: Oh, man, alive! this guy. Well, go on, what is the weather like?
3: it's uh you know i've lost my celsius it's uh something like uh i'm just looking for you to get an accurate reading it's about 62 de- 62 degrees fahrenheit here
0: which is yeah it's a little
3: it's a little warmer with the trump <laughs> <but that's, laughs> hey. hey man yeah so but uh, let me get this right you're are you canadian i am a canadian uh dual citizen i am i'll never not be canadian i have my canadian citizenship but i uh I, for reasons of voting and such, I was able to become a US citizen just in time for the worst time to be an American you citizen. Ha-
0: you, you you, had to become an American citizen because you were so keen to get Trump into the White House. And well done, Paul. It's, <laughs> it's worked. Your dreams oh come true. What a weird time for you guys. We'll, we'll talk about the book in a second, I promise. But I love the fact that there's now this... Um, it, the, 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 there's accusations that the White House has put out a, a video of that's been doctored, the one of the, the journalists... Oh, ...supposedly absolutely assaulting doctor, the, 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 the staff member. Oh, Incredible. I watched that... I watched it on TV.
3: I watched it when it happened, and then they released a video later that's almost like night and day. It's, uh, you know, it's the kind of stuff you would expect from the Kremlin. I mean, maybe that's
0: where it's from. I've, but, <laughs> yeah. I've not seen the doctored version because I, 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 I missed it. I've seen the original. I will look at it. What yeah. is the difference? What have they... Has you got, like, nunchuckers oh, well, or something? They,
3: uh, if you want to know what they did, was, yeah, that's right. They, uh... They added in some uh, uh, ultimate fighting uh, footage. No, no. What they did was they slowed down down most, they sped up part of it to make it look like CNN journalist Jim Acosta had swung at the arm of the uh, young intern. When all she was doing was grabbing the mic and he said excuse me ma'am i'm asking a question which yeah. is like the most gentlemanly assault you're gonna get <laughs> and it was absolutely no assault and basically his motion was pulling away from her yeah. rather than towards her and it's just um it's just trump doing more misinformation he's really clearly upset that he's has to be, he has to be accountable now that the house is uh democrat again and uh he's he's uh, upset that jim acosta keeps asking him questions which Almost nobody else in the press corps has the nerve to do. And so he's a problem. He's a problem. To I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Acosta's brakes fail magically, too. I mean, well, you know.
0: this, this is it. I'm surprised more people aren't getting bumped off over there. As you know, our royal family over here have a hit, gr- grand history of murdering people they don't like. So I'm, Trump needs that, yeah. to pick up on that. Anyway, listen, Paul Myers. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get, let's get on to the happier let's, let's, let's Well, well uh, happiness, I'm sure there's some darkness in it. I love the kids in the hall, man. They were, they were shown over here sort of i'm trying to think early 90s on channel four and it was like one o'clock in the morning and it was never on a regular day it you you'd kind of have to look through the listings and it would be there and you would set your videos so they have um they have even more of a cult status over here than they probably do in 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 canada and america in the u.s yeah why why did you this what's your connection with them why did you decide to write oh. this book
3: it's kind of amazing. I, I'm a music. I'm, I write about music. I, I actually wrote. You mentioned the Bare Naked Ladies. I was a musician in the Toronto scene, a contemporary of Stephen Page and a contemporary of Craig Northey. Wow. And I had a band uh, called the Gravelberries. And uh, this is to answer your question, by the way. I'm yeah, actually yeah. answering it. So, at that time, on Queen Street West in Toronto, it was the. It was the. Uh, it was very much the. Um, the scene, you know, it yeah. was. It was where it was where the bands and the comedians and everybody, it was very post new wave. And uh, all the English bands would come there and all the American bands would come there. And as well as uh, we had like a comedy scene, which was basically centered on the kids in the hall, they had basically started and they were a rock comedy troupe. They were, they didn't play rock music uh, themselves, but in between sketches, they would play The Jam and uh, wow. Buzzcocks. And it was very much, uh, you know, angry young comedy. and. Uh, so I wrote the Barenaked Ladies first biography, their biography, uh, that they asked me to write, but it, it does relate because when I became a writer, I started writing stuff. I started writing my fan club, uh, newsletter for my band, the Gravelberries. really liked writing, yeah. started writing, uh, started writing articles about music and, and then the kids, and then the Barenaked Ladies were like having their big success in 1990, uh, I think it was 1998. They started having like a number one hit record. They were about to have a number one hit record in the states, the United States. Yeah. And so they contacted me. I don't. I moved to San Francisco, and uh, they said, you know, you're a writer, but you know us. You should write uh, our point. Like you should be our point man to write the official biography. Like and so I wrote this book called uh, Private Stunts, Public Stories. It's a
0: good book. I've and, read
3: it. I've got it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that was my first book, and that got me into writing books and uh and it and the, you know, it was definitely written sort of to hire like they hired me and it was a fan club kind of uh, are you still getting me by the way um, yeah, oh
0: yeah no i'm i'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, lapping yeah. up every word of this don't you worry no, i'm getting
3: uh, but i'm also getting uh, i was just getting a little flash uh, uh, internet message saying that it was going slow anyway um i'm not going slow you can tell
0: you're going very fast uh,
3: sir. i like I'm it. very caffeinated yeah i'm very caffeinated plus you know <laughs> it, they charge by the minute on skype so um so so anyway i'm really cutting to the chase the, that went really well for me in terms of uh, opening up a career for me. I wrote a book about Long John Baldry, who many people in England wouldn't know, but he uh, discovered Elton John. He was a musician in the London scene of yeah. the 60s, and he discovered Elton John and Rod Stewart, amongst other things, and was a contemporary uh, friend of the, the early Rolling Stones. So I wrote his biography because he died in Canada in 19—I uh, think it was like 2006 he died, and I wrote, I wrote that— and then I wrote a book about Todd Rundgren, and I was over in the U.K. It was a U.K. publisher, actually, produced uh, Jawbone Press. Yeah. And I uh, I did a little press in London around that time, too. Uh, and so that led me to finally, in 2015, I'd known the kids in the hall their entire career from the scene. I was at their early club dates on Queen Street. I was at their taping of their TV show wow. at CBC Television. The CBC, which is like the BBC. Yeah. It's like the, you know. The big, you know, they put cultural money into things, and uh, uh, I was also on the set of their film Brain Candy. Um, wow! So, and then I've been I've been at several of their reunion tours over the last decade or two. Yeah. And so, so it seemed logical that now that I know how to write a biography, thanks again to the Bare Naked Ladies and others, I I said, you know, you guys have been almost at this thirty years. This is a couple of years ago. It's 30 years coming, actually. So uh, about two years ago, I said, you guys, uh, it's about time that I did this book. I kind of said it like Jerry Seinfeld, like that. And, <laughs> um, and they, they had said no earlier and another They said they didn't feel comfortable doing a book. And, and I eventually convinced them that I was at the right time in my career as a writer. They were at the right time in their career together. And so um, I, I began the process that led
0: to this book, One Dumb Guy. There's the answer. I I hit it. I got to the end of the answer. Stop the clock. That's a world record for the longest answer to a first question in an interview ever. Well done. Uh, um, Listen, I I only got this book the other day, Paul, so I want to be honest. I haven't read it yet, but I'm. I'm, Oh, it's great. It's great. Don't don't read it. It's great. (laughs) I'm very, very excited. about. I'm just flicking through the pictures. My God, is there anything sexier than um, Bruce McCulloch, Mark McKinney and David Foley dressed up as Sex Girl Patrol? Look at those, Catherine. Absolutely. Well, I, mean, I mean, wow, uh, they're hot. They're hot women. The Monty, hey. Monty Python were never hot as women, but the the kids oh, in the no. hall—they are hot chicks.
3: Well, it's funny you should say that because it was at, um, the openly gay member of the troop, Scott Thompson, said that a lot of the uh, the uh, professed professed heterosexual crew members would get visibly uncomfortable at Dave Foley dresses a woman <laughs> uh, and you know challenging their challenging their yeah. beliefs of their own sexuality. And I, I actually, um, I also felt like Dave was a beautiful woman. Mm. I, I, remember, I remember being on set and seeing him uh, uh, with as uh, Jocelyn, the uh, French uh, sex worker, French Canadian sex worker. Yeah. And uh, it's like he's yeah, he's the he's the kind of girl you want to marry.
0: How how big were kids in the hall in their prime? Because if I got this right, that they were big in in Canada, and the show yeah. was kind of a cult in the states, and it wasn't until the reruns that they actually yes. got quite huge. Yeah, there's a network here called uh,
3: Comedy Central. Yeah. And uh, it's where The Daily Show with Jon Stewart originated and, and uh, Key and Peel and all the... So but originally, they didn't have much content. And the Kids in the Hall had gone off the air in 1995-ish. And they were just starting up in 2000... You know, they were just getting their legs in the late 90s. So Comedy Central uh, needed programming. So they would program uh, reruns of Saturday Night Live, NBC show... And then they would also pro- program uh, the kids in the hall. And by then it was, you know, the series was gone, but they had like five seasons to draw from. They put them on every night in, a, I think, a half-hour version. Yeah, it was half-hour. And uh, it was a half-hour of, of the Saturday Night Live. No, an hour of Saturday Night Live and an hour, half-hour of the kids in the hall. A lot of kids... Uh, you know, young adults who were coming home from school and stuff would end up seeing it. It was also rebroadcast several times a day because right. they didn't have much. They didn't have much content. Yeah. So, so it became almost hypnotic. Uh, the way when I was a kid, I used to watch Bugs Bunny cartoons because they were always on. Yeah. And I, I think if Bugs Bunny was real and showing up somewhere at a mall, I would probably want his autograph. Yeah. You know, he like I was a big fan of Bugs Bunny for that reason. So imagine the kids in the hall are somebody's Bugs Bunny. And then, you know, much like, you know, that quote about the Velvet Underground that not many people bought their records, but every person who heard the band formed a band of their own. Yeah, of course. Well, there's a lot of comedians in America, especially right now, who got the kids in the hall that way. Uh, like Fred Armisen. And oh. uh, I think I think the guys who make the films for Key and Peele uh, said in an interview that I didn't do the interview, but it was in my book that, you know, they, they based their film style on the quality of the kids in the halls film style. And. Uh, Different guys like Jonah Ray, who's on Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000, said that he used to run home from school and, you know, the kids in the hall made him want to be a comedian. And uh, it's just like a lot of people like that Judd Apatow, Paul Feig, like two big names in comedy Mm. now we were like blown away by the kids in the hall. And uh, but they were actually followers from the beginning. Like they were watching it on HBO. And I... it's just, it's, it's amazing how many American co- comedians uh, come up to me and say, thank you for writing a book about the kids in the hall because they were kind of my truth.
1: Experience the unconventional,
0: the unpredictable,
1: and the completely unorthodox with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On
0: Talk Radio.
1: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.
2: With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Confidence
1: starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers. Undaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu com code GLOW.
0: Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox
1: with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee.
0: I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. I love, uh, you know, I was one of a small band in my school or college who would who would watch it and would get excited when it was on, and I love the fact that a lot of their sketches kind of don't have punchlines; they just sort of peter out. A lot of them yeah. are ridiculous. I still, I still quote to this day, "The Eradicator." I, you know, oh, I love I, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. such a good sketch. This guy that my just bit, wants to bit... beat everyone at squash.
3: My favorite joke in that is when uh, he's saying, you know, prepare to die from the eradicator and then he says, "Okay, I'll play you on Tuesday." And then the eradicator looks at his little uh, date book and says, "Tuesday is not good for the eradicator." <laughs> Which I, I I just that's pi- that's that's python yeah. too. That's a yeah. very python. The, the kids in the hall basically took the element of the five-man troop that some on film, some in the studio that python had and that effect of the absurdity and then they translated it into um, their time.
0: Yeah. Instead yeah.
3: of you know, instead of London in the late '60s and early '70s, they were Toronto in the late '80s, early '90s. And uh, somehow there's a Canadian thing that isn't so tied to the Canadian. Like they don't do mounty sketches, mm. but they. It's if you lived in Canada at that time, as I did, you would say, "Oh, I I know that. I know that scene. That that's uh, just the same way that maybe, uh, Python would have had a sketch about the tobacconist or the cheese shop." We, you know, and, and, and of course, we're all huge Python fans. Yeah. So it's it's for me, it's uh, it's a someone set, someone posted a picture that they bought Eric Idle's new book and my book about the kids in the hall. And they posted a oh. picture of the two of them together. And it blew my mind. Well, right? Paul, well
0: like, Paul, that, that, that's that's the book I'm finishing reading is, is the Eric Idle book. And as soon as that one's done, yours is the next book I'm reading.
3: Well, I'm honoured to go second after Eric
0: Idle. <laughs> Sir Eric I do Idle. think that kids, in, they, they seem to be like the missing link. But let's get geeky for a second, Wolf, for, for the whole thing. The missing link oh, we're between... Oh, we out now. We, oh, man, I love it. The missing link over here between Monty Python and The Fast Show. I'm, I, I'm guessing you're aware of The Fast oh, Show. Oh, The Fast Show. Yeah. And, oh, and there's yeah, a lot... I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of, you know, that I crush your head. And um, there's, 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 a, there's quite a few sketches from the kids in the hall that would sit very comfortably in The Fast Show. You know, very catchphrase. I'm crushing your head wonderful wonderful yeah. kind of recurring yeah.
3: characters so so do you remember i can't remember the lineage when did the fast show uh when
0: was it on tv i think the Fast show was when i was at college that would have been i'm going to say 92 90, 93 oh. i'm going to say Catherine's okay. googling it uh 94 to 97 94 to 97 i wasn't okay so out.
3: they were they were uh coexisting yeah. with the, 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 the british uh, the canadian tv show was like uh, 1988ish to 1995 yeah or or the, I mean 1990 yeah it was like the first five years of the 90s so so they would have been happening at the same time I wasn't sure about the lineage of that that's true that's a good point do
0: they um do they do they like each other I always get the feeling that there's a kind of tension between them
3: well uh imagine that imagine you're talking about oasis yeah okay yeah uh, and and they're brothers at the end of the day it's like you know um See, he's our kid, but we but I hate him. But then yeah. I love. him. Yeah. But also, if you insult one of the other guys, they're the first guy to defend. Right. So they like they're a form, a five man uh, organism, and and each one within they they have the right to have an argument with each other at any given time, but no one else can. So so they are brothers by choice and brothers by um, just by uh, what's the word. Attrition, mm. you know, they've they've been together, working together for 30 years. Every possible fight they could ever have, they probably pretty much had. And they faced death. They've literally faced death together with uh, Scott got very Scott ill. Scott
0: Thompson was was dying, yeah. wasn't he? We filmed when they, they were filming their last series. And the series
3: was called Death Comes to Town. So wow. it was like, and the, the book is filled with these moments. Somebody else told me this in an interview, cause I've been, I just did Canadian, uh, I had a bunch of dates in Canada. And one of the guys said to me, he "Goes, this looks like the story of the kids in the hall is the story of will they break up now? Yes. Is this what's gonna is this what's gonna do it? And and then and then ultimately you come to the, I mean, it's an ongoing story. They're still they're still planning some new things in the new year. But but the the, the ultimate conclusion is, I guess not. I guess they're not gonna break up because nothing could break them up, mm. you know. And and uh, the other story I think is about them is uh is it's a story of how how they screw up." Every group oh, decision they've ever made... This is, is what like, I
0: wanted to talk about. They, they keep getting things wrong.
3: Yeah, and that's why the book's called One Dumb Guy. It's a Kevin McDonald of the Kids in the Hall said, you know, we're actually pretty smart guys individually, but together we're one dumb guy.
0: <laughs> they make so and, many wrong turns in there. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I, I went to see Brain Candy. It got such a limited release over here. Their movie... And I was yeah. there with my sister, uh, a flatmate, and there was one other guy, four people in a cinema. And I wanted to love it, and I loved – I did love it at the time, and then I watched it a couple of years later on video. And yeah. there are some it's some great ideas. There are some great scenes in there, but it yeah. just doesn't quite work. And you, th- you think, come on, you could have you made a holy grail here. You could have made a life of Brian. And w- what was that? Was that too many different opinions at the same time?
3: Yeah, there's a lot. There was a lot going on. Um, the first you have to know is that um, when they were writing the film, uh, two of the family members of two of the kids in the hall had um, died by suicide.
0: Oh wow! So it's
3: all, all re- already pretty dark. And the room they were the room they were writing in. Uh, Kevin dubbed it the boardroom of death because every time they would meet, they would say, "Oh, uh, I just found out that my brother-in-law committed suicide," oh, or man. in the case, Scott Thompson's brother actually uh, also committed suicide. And so, and then there was that. And then the other aspect of death was about their career because um, Dave Foley had—I uh, don't know if you got it over there. There's a, a, a hit TV series called News Radio. Yeah,
0: of course, yeah, big And
3: so. Dave Foley had been uh, picked to be uh, the star of this show. It was built around him. And um, this was a time when, you know, the other guys, the series had ended and they were about to do their movie. And they, their plan was to do like Python movies, to do yeah. like a, their their Holy Grail, their life of Brian. And, but while they're making this film, there's all those deaths I mentioned. And then, the, then there's this thing where Dave wants to reschedule, the. he wants to shoot the film a year later because there's a lot going on for him. Mm. The other guys resent, the other guys kind of resent that and uh, admit to it now. And then, um, and then uh, so there's all these things going on, tensions. Dave and Kevin, who were the best friends originally, who'd, they'd been together even longer than the kids in the hall. They were completely not speaking to each other. Uh, and then somehow contractually, they had to make the movie. <laughs> they, and they finished the, they finished the screenplay, they kicked around. In my book, you'll see there's all these great ideas that they didn't do. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's a whole bunch, there's one that I really love called Boat Full of Cowards, or Ship Full of Cowards. It's like a Navy drama. Or navy comedy, but like uh, everyone in the, everyone on the boat shouldn't be on the boat except for this one drill sergeant played by uh, I think Mark. Brilliant. And they didn't make they didn't make that movie. And then they decided Prozac was new at the time, and of course they're talking about these themes of depression. And and at the time Prozac was being sold as a as an antidepressant that just cured sadness. Yeah. Like they didn't really, they didn't really explain it in a nuanced way, so people were calling it the happy day. Yeah. And, and so they made they like to make fun of big business, and they like to make fun of. Um, sort of pop psychology. So they they decided that they would make this movie that they were going to call the Drug, and it later became known as Brain Candy. But they they the film was kind of dark. It was a dark theme about
0: people kind, being depressed. Kind of dark. There's a guy in there. There's a kid in there in a wheelchair called Cancer Boy. And there's well, and one of my favorite lines is is this mum comes home to her young kids. Hi kids, where's your dad? Oh, he's upstairs masturbating to gay porn. It's a du- it's a yeah. dark movie, man.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, it, and there's even a scene in it where the one of the kids remembers a childhood memory of his father walking in and uh, clumsily attempt, and you just see the window of the house, and you just hear the sound effects of him, of the father clumsily trying to kill himself, and keeps miss missing yes. with uh, at close range, yes. which would not sound funny. It, it doesn't sound funny oh, no. in description, but when you see it in the movie, and you just hear Kevin McDowell going, "I can't believe I missed again," <laughs> you know, and 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 uh, again, very Python, very, yeah. um, very. Very much like, um, more like Meaning of Life Python, you know, the dark scenes of death. And uh, because, you know, Meaning of Life is one of the darkest... uh, Python films ever. Oh, right? I, can't, um, I can't
0: watch that. I, I haven't seen that for years and years and years because it is so grim. I mean, there are jo- a few joyous moments in it, but but the whole you know the war, Mister Creosote, the sex education, the the um, the salmon salmon moose. moose. Yeah, yeah. it's it it's a dark movie, moose. man. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the salmon <laughs> Moose
3: yeah. yeah. Also, they, they're, they're American accents. That almost killed me. Uh, but a- anyway, we're digressing so yes. that they make that. And you mentioned Cancer Boy. And that's the other thing that they did wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, they, I mean, they they stand by the film. But I mean, they admit that that made it hard. So, you know, when you when you make a, a major motion picture with a Paramount, you 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 basically are getting one shot. And and, you know, American movies have to open fairly big. Yeah. They have to at least make back their money. And they made this film, and they at one point they're shooting this scene. and you don't know what we're talking about listening. There's a scene with a bald-headed kid, and it's a mm. parody of of all of those things where um, sometimes sometimes the ch- the charity kid gets a little high on himself and wants to meet every celebrity and gets a little and God bless the kids who are in that position. but the idea of like, you know, he's entitled and he's a little bit pushy. And so they wanted to make fun of him of a guy who would say, you know, like I have cancer. You know, yeah. and, and, and it's it's not even funny as I tell it now. But at the same time, it was kind of a thing that fit the theme of the movie, yeah. people dealing with depression. And and they insisted on having this film and they had to call him Cancer Boy, which was kind of a um, made made, you know, that it was a parody character. Well, of course, these are things you don't. These are third rails. You don't yeah. touch these. You know, I and, remember and, laughing
0: and at that. Daughter, that yeah. I remember laughing at that character at the time. And then I remember watching it again and thinking, oh, no, 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 no!" I, I couldn't believe that I laughed at it, and I just thinking, "Nah, they shouldn't have put that in the movie."
3: Yeah, I mean, and that's what happened. So they they were fighting for it. Um, the Paramount who were distributing the film, and you know, their big shot at the U.S. market, they they would have been happy for a, a, a moderate weekend with a cult film, but no. So so he gets uh, Paramount gets on the phone. With, uh, well, Lorne Michaels says, you should cut. Lorne Michaels is their producer who produced Saturday Night Live as well. And, and Lorne Michaels says, you know, I think you should cut the Cancer Boy thing. It's just, it would make it easier. And then um, and the troupe had a conversation and they said, it's, it's our comedy. We're doing it our way. Yeah. So God bless them. You know, God bless them. They created this uh, impediment to their own success and stood by it. And they fought for it. And they got on the phone with a Paramount executive and said, I'm sorry, we're doing this. And so, of course, they say, well, great, you know, there goes your promotion budget. You, you're not going to we're not going to sell it. And then and then uh, Siskel and Ebert were very popular film critics at the time. And Ebert said it was the worst film ever made. Wow. And, wow. You know, Sis- Sis- Siskel defended it. But uh, and then one of the big LA uh, New York Times critics also said it was a joyless exercise. And, and so any kind of crossover audience they would have had uh, other than their c- hardcore base, uh, it just didn't come and, and it didn't stay in the theaters very long. So um, cinemas, you know, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was a little bit of a career, another one dumb guy move. Really, Paul,
0: Paul listen, I, I, I'm going to, I've tweeted the book and I will tweet the, all the links and all the, the places you can get it again. Final thing, what, what, are they going to do any more? Just when everyone thinks they've, they've stopped doing stuff, they'll do another live tour or they'll do that series they did a few years ago. I read somewhere, somewhere that they might be doing something for Netflix. Uh,
3: yeah, they, they, uh, it's they're not specifically named for netflix yet but they're uh, they've been talking uh as they often do a they're talking amongst themselves to get a thing like they need to have a thing uh they're probably gonna do some more touring and they want to write another original series because it's been about eight years since the last
0: wow, one okay.
3: and, and so so and you know right now mark is on a, a hit american tv show called superstore and yeah. uh you know and they're all doing various things bruce's uh Bruce is uh, kind of a professor right now for the year in uh, Toronto. And uh, Scott's got this Buddy Cole thing that he's doing. It's a character of his. He kind of tours with it. And they're all busy. And and so they're going to try and pencil in something to do together. And in the current climate, Netflix and Hulu and uh, uh, Amazon – uh, TVs, Amazon Prime. Yeah. They're the kind of places you take stuff. So you make a short series like Mr. Show did yeah. a couple yeah. years ago. Make a short five or six episode series that goes viral, or it goes up uh, bingey. You know, you can binge it, binge-y. and then it, you know, then and it goes bingey. He's gone all bingy I'm afraid. Uh, um, and you know, and then that would be good. And then they could they could just do a contained. It could it could be a it could be a sketch comedy all the way through it, or it could be one story the mm. way Death Comes to Town was. Um, I hope they do it. I'm actually hoping that my little book's going to help them, um, sort of like stay in the public eye and get uh, the money that they would love to mm. get to, the, to do it right. You know, uh, I don't want to pretend that I'm going to be the guy who helps them, but certainly I didn't write the book because I didn't want to help them. Mm. You know, so so I'm I'm happy that. People will be talking about the kids in the hall now and getting the whole story about how important they are.
0: Paul, it's so nice to talk to you, man. I'm so glad we sorted this out. The book is "The Kids in the Hall: One Dumb Guy." Paul Myers. I'm gonna. I've got a copy. Do you want a copy, dear listener, first person to phone up and tell me that you want it. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Paul, if they do some live shows, I've decided I'm coming over to see them. So I may get to shake your hand and thank you for this.
3: Uh, hopefully, I'll be there. And I'd love to. Wouldn't it be great if they went to England? But anyway, oh. okay. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the time. Take
0: care, brother. Thank you very much. 03444991000. This is Talk
2: Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A radio star is born. You're going to love Talk Radio.